Welcome back, listeners. Unfortunately, the Atlanta Braves season has come to an end with a shocker win from the Phillies and 3-1 victory in the National League Division Series. I'm not going to lie to you, I did not see it happening, and it's pretty sad. But it was a fun regular season, but now it's time to shift to the offseason to look at what is going to happen. We talked about it a little bit already, but let's get deeper into it now that we have more details. With that, let's get started. Welcome back, everyone. First, let me say, I'd be lying to you if I said I was not shocked that the Phillies came out and performed like they did. You can come up with a million excuses. Spencer Strider should not have come back yet. He was injured. Max Freed was feeling sick, and he obviously wasn't fully recovered. I mean, you can come up with a lot of excuses, but the Phillies came out. They didn't have excuses. They came out to play, and they did well. And... Now, they're one game up on the Dodgers at the time of this recording. Could the Phillies be one of those, I don't know, 2019 Nationals-type scenarios where everything lines up perfectly, where they're a wild-card team, they have the pitching to win it, and their offense all clicks at the right time? Could be possible. We'll see. To be honest, I do like the Phillies over the Padres just because of the pitching. The Padres do have good pitchers, don't get me wrong. You Darvish, Blake Snell, Joe Musgrove. I mean, they have a solid pitching staff, but it's hard to compete with Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler, especially with Ranger Soros pitching like he has this year. But anyways, we're not here to talk about the Phillies and the Padres. We're here to talk about your Atlanta Braves. So what I want to do is I want to look at some new information that's come out and since we've talked to Jared Vickery about the offseason and kind of talk about what that means for the Atlanta Braves. So first, let's talk about what everyone is thinking about Dansby Swanson. To me, this is purely speculative, I gotta say that, is that every day that goes by, there's less and less chance of Dansby Swanson being extended. Well, technically, I guess you could say now that he's officially a free agent, it would be that he would re-sign with the Atlanta Braves. Just simply because now that he's seeing the free agent market closer and closer, he may want to test that free agency. And by testing that free agency, it lowers his odds because he gets to see what other teams will offer him. However, I do believe there are some things going in the Braves' favor. Obviously, Brian Snicker loves the dude. Brian Snicker has something really great to say. He said in his post-game interview, I talked to Dansby after we were eliminated. I wait for Alex to give me updates. Alex and Thopolos, obviously. All extensions are above me. I just sit and help. They're very aware of how I feel about that man and how much I want him back. But I understand that this is a business. That's what he said about the free agency saga with Dansby Swanson. He wants him back. He's made it pretty clear. Now, of course... We can only speculate that he's telling the truth, but Brian Snicker has no incentive 
for lying about wanting someone back. Now, he could it would hold more weight if someone said, I don't want someone back, because that, that you would not really lie about. Now, I'm not saying Snickers lying. I'm saying that that doesn't necessarily mean that Swanson is coming back. It's just a small piece of the puzzle uh, to think about. I'm not going to say, oh, Brian Snicker wants him back, so they're going to go for it. I'm just saying Brian Snicker doesn't, obviously doesn't hate Swanson. So that's going towards him coming back in the pro column if you want Swanson back, if you will. The other thing that's going to help bring Swanson back is they're still eligible to give him a qualifying offer, which they most likely will. If you're unfamiliar with a qualifying offer, you can offer a player a qualifying offer one time in their career. And what that means is if another team signs that player, then you get a draft pick from that team. A recent example is Austin Riley was drafted with one of those draft picks that gets from a qualifying offer. To be fair, that, that draft pick is one of the types of draft picks that can be traded. And... The Atlanta Braves got it via trade. However, that shows you the type of players you can get with those draft picks. And in the here in recent history, players uh, the compensatory compensatory draft pick has hurt their free agent value. So Dansby Swanson could one take the qualifying offer and wait till there's a weaker shortstop market and go into free agency the following year. I would say the odds of that are not extremely high, but they're not extremely low either. I would say it's somewhere in the mid-range. I believe the qualifying offer is right around $19 million this year. It's going to be a little bit less than what he'll probably make in an AAV per year. So there's a possibility that he might say, hey, why don't you give me $20 million this year and I'll come back for one year. There, things are possible. I would say the odds of that are, are slim though. There's a possibility he could take the qualifying offer and jump into free agency the following year where he can no longer be offered a qualifying offer, hurting his free agency value. Not to mention, now that it looks like Xander Bogarts and Carlos Correa are going to opt out of their contracts to become free agents, the free agency market went from one that was weak if they didn't to one of the strongest shortstop markets we have seen in a very long time. And even though Dancy Swanson had a fantastic year, he would probably most likely be considered the fourth best shortstop on the market. So his free agency value could be low because he's going to end up being the guy that if he does not go back to the Braves, would not be their number one pick. They would be he would be their fallback pick if they did not get Bogarts, Trey Turner, or Carlos Correa. We're just being honest here. I'm being honest here. That's how it's going to work. That doesn't mean that Teams don't want Dansby Swanson. It's just that from a business standpoint, theoretically, you'd want the other three first. Or you could see a situation where teams say, hey, you know what? I don't want to spend that type of money, but I will spend Dansby Swanson money. But typically, probably what's going to happen based on history is he will be the fallback, which would also hurt his free agency value. So those are things that do go towards the Atlanta Braves being able to bring him back in a sense that he will not be other teams' top pick. Three other teams will probably fill their needs with shortstop before they go with Dansby Swanson. And, I mean, every team can get better with a solid shortstop with a player like Dansby Swanson, even the fourth-best free agent shortstop. But still, that's three suitors 
that have to get filled before Dansby Swanson would be the top priority at shortstop. So that helps Dansby Swanson. Things that don't help Dansby Swanson, and you've probably seen on social media already, is that he did have the same agency as free as Freddie Freeman. Does that mean that that agency is going to try to make a good name for itself by saying, whoa, whoa, whoa let's get away from this Freddie Freeman drama. Let's get a deal with Dansby Swanson down with the Braves. I don't know. Does that mean that that agency leans towards, no, you don't go back to the team. You test free agency as long as you can. I don't know that either. But there's not enough sample size to tell you, and at least in my research recently with that agency. It could be a pro. It could be a con. Really, it's just something to consider. So my whole point is that are we looking at Dansby Swanson saying, is he going to come back or is he not? It's not simple. It's not that simple. There's a lot of variables in play. One variable that kind of ties into this, and it's really its own offseason point in itself, is that the Atlanta Braves were a top eight payroll this past year. And we'll dig into that more because I want to get more specific with stuff. But just know that the Braves are not shying away from spending money, according to some executives. And so could that be a pro for Dancy Swanson or a con? Theoretically speaking, with arbitration and all of that, without even a shortstop or an added starting pitcher, the Braves are already at $196 million towards the luxury tax. And as we know, the luxury tax threshold is currently right around $233 million. So the Braves don't have a ton of flexibility there, not to mention they're well above their highest payroll of all time, even including inflation. So do the Braves, are they willing to spend the money to bring Dansby Swanson back? Because if they do, he's probably going to be the only big signing. Is that going to happen? We will see. That could be a pro. That could be a con. That's probably more. And what I mean by pro and con is as far as odds of him coming back, odds of him not coming back. For those of you that are Dansby Swanson fans, I do like Dansby Swanson. That would be the pro column. I would say that the way that the salary is looking right now, that would be a slight con, even though that we think the Braves' salary is going to be even higher than it is right now. So let's take a little break, and then we're going to jump into the Braves' salary, arbitration players, players that are leaving, and how that will affect the offseason. This week's episode is brought to you by Morning Shift Media, the newest sports media outlet bringing you everything you need to know about the great game of baseball. Morning Shift Media is a group of writers, personalities, and passionate baseball fans scattered all over the map. You might even recognize some of them from Twitter as some of the main Twitter influencers in MLB Twitter. You can find them on MorningShiftMedia.com or on Twitter or on Facebook. Clock in early, stay up late. Welcome to the Morning Shift. Welcome back from break. Don't forget to help out our lovely sponsors. And shameless plug here, don't forget to go like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast and leave that five-star app or review. It has really helped the show this far. And I guess I can just say I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart since we're talking about it that I was a finalist again for Best of Bay. So that's two years in a row that this show was finalist for Best of Bay, and I couldn't have done it without you. So thank you again for that. I mean, it, it really, if I'm honest with you, it really makes me realize that people do care about this show, and it wants me to keep pushing. 
because I love doing this. I do. I love it so much. But it does take time, you know. It takes work and it takes time. And it's really great to see that the effort is wanted by other people. It shows that there's a reason why I'm making this. It's so people like you and other people can listen to this and maybe learn a little something. That's what the whole point of this podcast is about, is ultimately learning. Because there's other places you can find you know, news from the Braves. Uh, there's daily podcasts. There's great podcasts out there. It's not a competition. There's great podcasts out there. So what's different about this one is that I try to help you learn. And by me doing all the research, I learn as well. It's a win-win. And we can do this podcast together. And being nominated twice and making it as a finalist for Best Debate Twice really shows that there's a reason for me to keep pushing and doing something that I love. So thank you for that. All right, now that we've talked about that, let's jump into the salary a little bit. We've talked about arbitration players, right? But really, there's no way to know for sure what those arbitration players are going to make because each team has their own special algorithm that they use to determine what they think a player is worth. They do it for two reasons. One, just to be unique because every team can be different in this regard, but also to they have better ways of deciding what they think their player will be worth in an arbitration case because it is based strictly on statistics. It's not, well, strictly on statistics and the year that you're in. For example, if you're in ARB 1 and ARB 2 years and you have the exact same t- statistics, your second year of arbitration, you're going to make more money because the way that it's set up is you're supposed to get a raise every year when you're in arbitration. So each team uses their own special algorithm to determine, based on the stats of the player and the year that they are in arbitration, what they think the player is worth. And then the player's agent and the player will decide that they're worth a certain amount. So one, they can either accept what the team believes that that player is worth, accept the salary, or the agent can say, actually, we think that this player is worth X. For example, Mike Soroka went to arbitration last year. And... He, it was not a huge amount of difference. I mean, it was it was less than a million dollars difference, and I mean a million dollars is a lot of money, but in terms of professional sports, it's not. And they went to arbitration, and Mike Soroka and his agent won arbitration. And just a way that to refresh you on how arbitration works is the team or the front office of the team will say, "We think a player just player A is worth two point five million." Player A will say, "Well, I think." I'm worth $3 million. Well, when it goes to arbitration, the arbitrator doesn't look at the numbers and say, well, actually, they're worth $2.75, so you're going to award them $2.75. The arbitrator has to decide between the $2.5 million amount or the $3.0 million amount. That's the way it works. But anyways, that's the way it works. And there's my favorite site, which we promote all the time, to look at arbitration numbers is MLB Trade Rumors. And a lot of other places focus on MLB trade rumors for this because they have the best history of figuring out who's going to get paid what in arbitration. This model is created by Matt Swartz and is on, and Swartz is spelled S-W-A-R-T-Z, and so I can't take credit for this. He can and deserves the credit because he does an excellent job every year. But he his projections for the Braves are that there are six players, this is not a projection, this is a fact. There are six players that are arbitration eligible. And based on history, his algorithm, and his charts, it looks like Heredia is going to be projected to make $1.1 million 
AJ Minter is projected 5 million. Max Fried is projected 12.2 million. Mike Soroka is projected 2.8. Tyler Matzik is projected 1.8. And Silvino Bracco or Bracho is worth 900,000. This worth is a, is a strong word. What I mean by that is what their contract is worth. And that's based on those projections, you can look at it. And you need to remember that a team is not required to tender a player a contract uh, during the pre-arbitration and the arbitration phase. So they could look at Tyler Matzik and say, we really like you, but you're going to need Tommy John's surgery. We're going to release you to save $1.8 million. Now, as we've seen, that doesn't just because a player is injured does not mean the Braves will get rid of him. For example, Mike Soroka. They tendered him a contract and offered him the money, even though he won arbitration. But still, they knew that he was still under team control for years to come. right? So it's not as simple as, oh, you're injured. Sorry, we're not giving you a contract. Tyler Matzik is not a free agent until 2025. So they could still offer him the money, knowing that he's also not going to make a lot of money next year in arbitration because he's not going to get a huge raise due to injury, as we've seen with Mike Soroka. So they can tender him that money, and he's not free agent until 2025 anyways. Hope he comes back in 2024 at a cheap salary. But then you've got guys like Bracho. Do you want to pay him $900,000 to fill up a roster spot? And the same can be said about Heredia. Heredia is awesome, but do they want to tender him $1.1 million when they're going to be a high-salary payroll anyways when they every dollar is going to count towards bringing guys like Dansby Swanson back? So it's going to be interesting to see. But currently, based on, with the arbitration numbers factored in, the team currently sits at about $196 million as far as it goes with the salary. And this is what goes towards the luxury tax, okay? Because we know that there's more than just the salary itself. We've got benefits and everything like that that goes towards it. But anyways, we talked about that already. But one thing I wanted to note is that Terry McGurk, who is the team chairman, recently had an interview with Justin Toscano, who is awesome, by the way, if you're not following him on Twitter. Give him a follow. He's not paying me to say that. He works for the AJC or Atlanta Journal-Constitution, right? But anyways, he was talking to Terry McGurk, and Terry said that the Braves have the goal of being a top-five payroll, which is huge if you think about it. Uh, let's, let's look at a top-five, what it was this past year. With prorated salaries, and what this means is players that were picked up via trade after the trade deadline, their salaries are prorated, and the team is only responsible for that amount of money. So for you're going to see teams that actually went over the luxury tax threshold that didn't have to pay the luxury tax. Uh, but anyways, the Braves, after all that was said and done, were sitting at $200 million last year. And the number five spot was the Padres at $237 million. If you remember, they were trying to finagle things to where they didn't go over the luxury tax because if you bump the luxury tax one year, the next year, the luxury tax amount goes up even more. That was just why they were trying to do that. But the Padres were number five, and after trades were made and everything, they were sitting at $237 million. So what that means for the Braves is they probably won't have $237 million salary at the beginning of the year, but after the trade deadline, 
they could top it in the sense that they'll keep it right under the luxury tax based on last year's salaries. So that does give the Braves some flexibility. That does mean that there's a possibility they could add about $30 million in payroll this year if they're trying to, you know, get to that top five. And, and by I mean by $30 million is before the trade deadline. So if they did that, that would put them about 220-ish million. It would give them some money to play around with at the trade deadline. That's enough money to bring in Dansby Swanson for just that year. And obviously, we don't know if he's going to take the qualifying offer. If he does, that's going to help even more. But with that being said, the Braves are missing a shortstop, theoretically speaking. Dansby Swanson has not come back yet. They've lost a key bullpen piece in Kinley Jansen. They're losing Robbie Grossman. Luke Jackson is a free agent. Jesse Chavez is a free agent. A. Ray Adrianza is a free agent. Jake Odorosi may not be on the team next year based on if he takes the team option or opts to go as a free agent. I lean towards him opting as a free agent because I think with the buyout that the Braves will be giving him, which is about $6 million, plus what he can make in the free agent market, he's probably going to go free agent. Adam Duvall is a free agent. I mean, there's holes to fill. You know, that's not to mention a bunch of lower-end guys like Darren O'Day, Alex Dickerson, you know, guys like that that are free agents. The Braves have some holes to fill. Now, I don't expect the Braves to go out and make a ton of splashes like they have in the past just because their roster is mostly complete. I mean, that's a good thing. That is a good thing that the Braves have very few things to fill. I do believe that they're going to shift Iglesias into the closer role. So I want to tamper your expectations for trying to get someone like Edwin Diaz. It just doesn't make sense for the Braves to add another high or high-paid or expensive reliever to their core. They already ha- are paying a ton to Iglesias. As we saw, AJ Minter is going to be up to $5 million. They've already got a lot of money invested in their bullpen. I do not expect them to go after an Edwin Diaz type. It's just... Surely it's not going to happen. If they did that, there's no way they're bringing back Dansby Swanson. They could bring back Dansby Swanson, and that would give them some room to add some depth. We would like to see a lower end, or I say lower end, a cheaper option, maybe a pillow contract for maybe filling out the outfield a little bit. We know that Ronald Cunha is going to be in right field. We know that Michael Harris is going to be in center field. Left field is kind of iffy. We know Rosario can be good. I mean, he's even had MVP downvotes before we saw his potential. But is he shot? You know what I'm saying? Like, this year, yeah, he was injured for the first part of the year with his eye. He couldn't see anything. And he came up the second half of the season in the month of, well, I should say, really the month of September. He was right around league average with an expected weighted on base average of about 319. But that was one month of the entire season. Is that who you want to depend on? You've got Marcelo Zuna, who I wrote an article on it on Battery Power this past week. If you want to go read his statistical breakdown of, of why he's declined and, and what he's doing differently. But Ozuna, obviously, don't really want him being your starter in left field for obvious reasons. He can't play it defensively. And offensively, he's gone way downhill because he can't hold off from swinging at pitches outside of the zone. And among other things, he's not hitting the ball as hard either. But anyways, uh, is that the mix you want to see over in left field? Robbie Grossman is gone. Uh, so what are we going to do with left field? You got to look at things like that. Other than that, I mean, it would be cool to add another starter. We don't know if Mike Soroka is truly going to come back. Uh, and if you want to be competitive, we saw... 
this, I mean, it was front and center in the Phillies series. Yeah, the, the Braves had top-end starters, but depth hurt them there because Charlie Morton was underperforming, and Max Fried was obviously still not feeling well, and Strider was hurt. So you can't depend just on Kyle Wright, you know. So adding another starter would have gone a long way for the Atlanta Braves this year. Which is funny because on paper, the Braves rotation was way better in 2022 than it was in 2021 when they won the World Series. And that's one of the funny things about baseball. But that's what we're looking at as far as contracts go. I mean, the Braves do have some flexibility if they truly do want to be a top five team. The question is, are they going to get there prior to the trade deadline? Or are they going to save that till they get to the trade deadline? The good thing is, like we said, the Braves have obvious holes that they know how to fix. The biggest question is, what are they going to do in left field? And what are they going to do about Dancy Swanson? I wrote about it some, but it should be noted that Von Grissom is not a shortstop. He, yes, he got drafted as a shortstop. Yes, he played shortstop in the minor leagues. And yes, he did play a few games at shortstop, or a few innings, I should say, at shortstop for the Braves this year. But let me, let me throw something at you real quick. That's not to say Von Grissom's bat isn't good enough to be in the major leagues. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying he's not a shortstop. My buddy Richard, who you have heard because he came on the podcast, I believe, last year to have the MVP debate, he sent me some really good information, so I want to give him credit for that. But he said, Von Grissom averages 77.4 miles per hour with a max of 80 on his arm strength. That average is ranked 61st out of 77 qualified players at second base. This is when he's playing second base. That number would be 58 out of 60 if he was a shortstop and 55 out of 59 for third base. 77.4 is ranked 154 out of 167 second base, third base, and short base combined and 321st out of all position players minus catcher and pitcher. His max of 80 is 330th. So, yeah, he's not a natural shortstop when it comes to arm strength. Arm strength isn't everything. It's not. But you don't want a guy that ranks that low at arm strength being your primary shortstop. So what I'd like to see with Von Grissom is him play like a Ben Zobrist, if you remember Ben Zobrist, or maybe a Chris Taylor type is a more accurate or more recent version of a super utility player. A guy that's got the bat to be on the field every day. He's got the defensive versatility to move around the field, and that way other guys can rest. Because as we saw, rest probably came into a factor with the Braves there at the end. Danzy Swanson, Matt Olson playing in every single game this year. It would be nice to give them some breaks if Dansby Swanson was to come back. And if not, you know, whoever's playing shortstop. It would be nice to have Von Grissom be a super utility type that would play pretty much every day and then move around the diamond uh, to give Austin Riley a break, shortstop a break, second baseman a break, maybe even the left fielder a break. It would be nice to see that if he could do that. And but So if Dansby Swanson isn't here, the options are extremely slim. I mean, the Orlando Arcia is still under contract. But defensively, he's declined enough to where you really only want to see him in left field or second base as well. But to be honest with you, I'd start Orlando Arcia over Von Grissom at shortstop. But that's not ideal. And if you look at the available free agents beyond Dansby Swanson, there's definitely incentive to bring Dansby Swanson back 
because it's a huge drop off. You know, it's Correa, Bogarts, and Turner. Uh, to, I would say arguably Turner's number one in in those three. So really, it'd be Turner, then Correa, then Bogarts, and then a, a slight drop off, Dansby Swanson, and then a huge drop off between everybody else because everybody else are basically guys that have been shortstops before. They're old and they would be on a one year contract type anyways that their bats not much better than Orlando not better probably not even better than what Orlando Arcia put out this year so yeah that's might be an incentive itself to bring Dansby Swanson back from the for the Braves we'll see but I just wanted to point out that don't look for Vaughn Grissom to be the quote-unquote replacement for Dansby Swanson sure they may try him out there a little bit but and maybe he would play like one year at shortstop if the Braves didn't have a a choice, but he's not going to be their long-term fit at the position of shortstop. Is he a long-term fit on the Atlanta Braves? Yeah, most likely, but not as a shortstop. And the Braves have a second baseman under contract for a long time, so and a third baseman under contract for a long time. Looks like Vaughn Grissom will probably and hopefully be a super utility type. All right, well, that's my quick 30-minute overview of the offseason now that the Braves season is over. So, Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. Hopefully, it looks like I'm going to have a really fun guest for you guys next week. I don't want to say for sure just because it hasn't recorded yet, but I do have a really fun interview scheduled, and I don't want to say who it is yet just because it'll be more fun once you see it pop up. All right, that's this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening under sad circumstances of the Braves no longer being in it. But hey, it was a great regular season. So much fun coming back and passing the Mets. That being said, don't forget to follow and like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can find all the information on our Twitter, uh, Facebook pages, Facebook groups, email, all that stuff is in the show notes. So make sure you check those out. And I can't wait till next week. It's going to be a fun episode. I'm looking forward to it, and I hope that you guys are too. With that being said, I know the season's over, but as always, go Braves.